together in our call to worship. Who is our creator? Who is our redeemer? Who is our sustainer? The one who we adore with praise, prayer, and worship. When we pass through deep waters or go through troubled times and trials, the Lord our God is with us. When we face our faults as well and our shortcomings, God is still with us, ready to redeem and transform us. 
So with confidence in the Holy One, let us confess our sin using our corporate prayer of confession. God of compassion, you stand ever ready before us, ready to heal, to provide a pathway to peace and offer your gracious justice. But in the ways we refuse to change, you receive our stubborn refusal. In our selfishness, you hear apathy. In our judgmentalism, reluctance to self-examination. So our world experiences tragedy, want, and oppression, rather than the shalom you desire. Instead of condemnation, we ask for the miracle of your mercy. As we who are frail of faith receive your tenderness, may we extend it outward until all your beloved people are restored and made whole. Amen. Remember, dear ones, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness unto us. We need not feel weary or defeated. Friends, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And now, having been reconciled to God, we share the peace of Christ with each other. You can do so however you feel most comfortable with a friendly wave, a smile, a handshake, or a hug. And for those of you joining us online, we invite you to sign in using the online pew pad at this time to let us know of your presence with us today. You can use the link on your screen or the QR code. And now, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen, amen. God's grace and peace be with each of you all, and welcome to morning worship here at Fourth Presbyterian Church of Chicago. So whether this is one of your first visits with us or this is your church home, we pray that after today's worship, you would leave here with your body a little more at rest, with your mind inspired and with nourishment for your soul. And, and perhaps you'll leave here a little drier than uh, you would be outside on this rainy Sunday. As we welcome you, we invite you to welcome others around you. Those of you who are here in the sanctuary, please fill out the worshiper information form in the pews and pass it to others nearby you. And look at those names of those nearest to you so that you might greet each other by name before you leave today. 
A little bit of news at Fourth Church. We are delighted that we as a congregation uh, get to welcome Reverend Tom R. Jr., who will be joining us as our interim pastor beginning on Sunday, October 29th. Later in today's service, we will also be commissioning the many volunteers who make the ministry of this church possible, including our church officers. In this season, our nominating committee asks that you take a few moments to recommend Fourth Church members, perhaps even yourselves, to serve as officers in 2024. And the Volunteer Ministry Council asks that all volunteers take a few moments to provide feedback on their volunteer experiences by responding to the volunteer survey. You can find details about all of this, as well as our new interim pastor, officer recommendations, the volunteer survey, and so much more in your worship bulletin today. Welcome again to Fourth Presbyterian Church of Chicago. I also want to add that uh, following worship, you're welcome to join us in Anderson Hall to your left for coffee and refreshments, or pray with a deacon in Stone Chapel to your right uh, by the doors just next to our pulpit. And now, let us continue worship with a minute for ministry. I'd like to invite Margie Lafreniere and Brian Satry forward. Good morning, Margie and Brian. You are both members of our World Mission Social Justice Council, who throughout this summer helped to organize Fourth Church's presence at a series of peace marches with our partners at St. Sabina Parish in Auburn Gresham on Chicago's south side. Margie, I'm wondering if you can tell us a story, a conversation, or maybe an image from our walks this summer that have stayed with you. Thanks, Joel. Um, a lot of the moments have stayed with me. Um, I think one of them was every time we came down to St. Sabina and we came many Friday evenings um, over the summer, uh, we were greeted with such joy and uh, care. Um, during the end of one of the walks, um, they played Michael Jackson's They Don't Really Care About Us. And it was a moment where the, the vibe changed a little bit and there was um, some anger uh, that I was feeling. Um, and I thought that that was righteous anger. Um, it reminded me of the righteous anger of um, when our neighbors don't feel that we care about them, um, that we show up for them, um, that that is righteous anger and that we have an opportunity in that moment to, to lean in and, um, and come with the care uh, that God is calling us toward. Um, and so it was a reminder to me to continue showing up um, in order to make this city truly equitable for everyone. Thank you so much. Powerful moments. Brian, what would you like our congregants and those watching today to know about the power of this practice for our discipleship and community engagement? Sure. Thank you, Joe, and, and good morning, everybody. I'm going to answer that by relating a, a moment or two of my own uh, that, that really have stayed with me. Um, when at, at the first march that they do every summer. They hold a rally uh, beforehand and, and people speak. 
there are four mothers who have organized a mothers group down in Auburn Gresham um, that speak each of united by the fact that each of them has lost a child to gun violence at some point in the last 20 years. And these mothers read the names of all the young people, so infants through 20 years old, who have been killed in the, just in the prior 12 months. There's something like 60 names each year. I think that reflects, you know, that understanding reflects the reason I went down there in the first place, um, both a realization that this is a community in crisis, but maybe more importantly, that there is nothing I can imagine more terrible as a parent than losing a child. And that's happening to them every single week. That's what got me down there in the first place. But what kept me coming back were the friendships. You know, I have, I have friends down in St. Sabina now, Rogers and Linda and Leslie and Teresa and, um, and Kim and her grandson, David. Um, they welcomed me. They have been friends throughout this. They're among my people now because they brought me in as, as one of their people. Um, that's what keeps me going back. That's what's, what's powerful for me. And I think to your question, Joe, about discipleship or about community engagement, I think those are the, those are the things that can advance that cause. You know, Fourth Presbyterian, uh, thanks to Margie's efforts in organizing and the efforts of some other folks here who have joined us, uh, various weeks. You might see a couple other blue t-shirts in, uh, mm -hmm. in the congregation this morning. Um, Fourth Presbyterian has faces now, faces and names um, in Auburn Gresham. And that will only build and as we do more of this. So if you're wondering what's in it for you, well, what was in it for me is what I just described and I'll keep going back. So thank you. Thank you so much for both of your efforts and um, we ask God's continued blessing on our congregation's witness in St. Sabana and their witness to us. If others would like to hear more about Fourth Church's anti-violence work, I encourage you to reach out about our upcoming adult education series, October 22nd, 29th, and November 5th. Um, on this very topic and uh, featuring many speakers and guests from our community at large. And please join us next summer on the peace marches uh, in Auburn Gresham. Amen. Thank you both. Thank you.
Let us pray. Lord God, pour out your spirit upon us to bring good news to the oppressed and let your world be fulfilled among us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is Psalm 103, verses 1 through 13. That's Psalm 103, verse 1 to 13. Listen now for God's word to us. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless God's holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all God's benefits. Who forgives all our sins and heals your diseases? Who redeems your life from the grave and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle's? O Lord, you provide vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. You made, way, you made known your ways to Moses and your works to the children of Israel. Lord, you are full of compassion and mercy, slow to anger and abounding with steadfast love. You will not always accuse us, nor will you keep your anger forever. You have dealt with us according to, your, to our sins, nor repaid us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is your steadfast love for those who fear you. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed your transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so you have compassion for those who fear you, O Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our second scripture reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Roman church, the book of Romans, beginning at chapter 14, verse 1. Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, And those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on the servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall, and they will be upheld, 
for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their minds. Those who observe the day, observe it in honor of the Lord. And those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God. While those who abstain, abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment? on your brother or sister? And you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each of us will be accountable to God. Holy wisdom, holy word, thanks be to God. Welcome them, welcome them, welcome them. This is what we should do with people who disagree with us, according to Paul. Jesus takes it 10 steps further when he says, love your enemies. But let's stick with Paul's instruction to welcome people with different opinions. It's so hard to do because we really want to be right. I think that's a very human tendency. We want to be right because we want to be good. We want to feel safe and affirmed and loved. We want to feel valued. And if we're wrong about something, then are we just failing? And if we're failing, are we somehow bad? And if what we thought was right turns out to be wrong, are we less than lovable because we've missed the mark? What's at stake in these differences of opinion is not usually the topic of disagreement. What's at stake is often so much more. If I make a mistake, am I a mistake? Will people judge me or worse, despise me? The impulse to be right, to prove that we are right, to defend our position, that impulse is strong in human beings. Dale Carnegie wrote a famous little book, first published in 1936, called How to Win Friends and Influence People. In it, he tells this story. I once employed an interior decorator to make some draperies for my home. When the bill arrived, I was dismayed. A few days later, a friend dropped in and looked at the draperies. The price was mentioned, and she exclaimed with a note of triumph, What? That's awful. I'm afraid that he put one over on you. True? Yes, she had told the truth. But few people like to listen to truths that reflect on their judgment. So being human, I tried to defend myself, Carnegie said. 
I pointed out that the best is eventually the cheapest, that one can't expect to get quality and artistic taste at bargain basement prices, and so on, and so on. The next day, another friend dropped in, admired the draperies, bubbled over with enthusiasm, and expressed a wish that she could afford such exquisite creations for her home. My reaction was totally different. Well, to tell the truth, I said, I can't afford them myself. I paid too much. I'm sorry I ordered them. There was something at stake more than the curtains and the cash in these conversations. We humans care about what people think about us. We want to be right because we want to be good. And so we try to defend our positions. Jonathan Haidt is a moral psychologist who tells a similar story in his book called The Righteous Mind, why good people are divided by politics and religion. He says, I was at home writing a review article on moral psychology and my wife Jane walked by my desk. In passing, she asked me not to leave dirty dishes on the counter where she prepared the baby food. Her request was polite, but her, her tone seemed to imply, as I have asked you a hundred times before. <laughs> he responded with an explanation about the baby having woken up at the same time that their elderly dog barked and needed to go for a walk, and he said, I'm sorry, I just put my breakfast dishes down wherever I could. But he happened to be writing an article about how people create rational justifications for their intuitive gut reactions. So he more carefully examined what had happened inside him during that exchange with his wife. He listened deeply to his own experience. He wrote, I disliked being criticized. And I had felt a flash of negativity by the time Jane had gotten to her third word. Can you not? Even before I knew why she was criticizing me, I knew I disagreed with her. When he had that flash of feeling bad, that flash of negativity, as he calls it, he developed his explanations in a split second. Only later did he realize how he had spun the story a bit to prove that he was righteous and good. He says, it's true that I had eaten breakfast, given Max his first bottle, and let Andy out for his first walk, but these events had all happened at separate times. Only when my wife criticized me did I merge them into the composite image of a harried father with too few hands, and I created this fabrication by the time she had completed her one-sentence criticism. Can you not leave the dirty dishes on the counter where I make the baby food? I then lied so quickly and convincingly that my wife and I believed me. He believed himself in that moment because more was at stake than dirty dishes and baby food. His identity as a good person was at stake. Both Jonathan Haidt and Dale Carnegie describe a deep listening to themselves that helped them understand themselves more deeply and truly.
And in understanding themselves, they also better understood a human tendency. Their deep listening made it possible to have compassion for themselves and for other people. Carnegie says, few people are logical. Most of us are prejudiced and biased. Most of us are blighted with preconceived notions, with jealousy, suspicion, fear, envy, and pride. And most citizens don't want to change their minds about their religion, or their haircut, or about communism, or their favorite movie star. We like to continue to believe what we have been accustomed to accept as true. And the resentment aroused when doubt is cast upon any of our assumptions leads us to seek any manner of excuse for clinging to it. The result is that most of our so-called reasoning consists in finding arguments for going on believing what we already do. Jonathan Haidt demonstrated this in his experience. His wife's request had been polite, but he still experienced a flash of negativity, an instinctual impulse to defend himself. That impulse happens before the rational mind gets involved. This is how our faith is filtered through our biology. We live our faith in these very bodies, these clay jars, as scripture says. We may have religious commitments that we believe with our minds, but our instinctual reactions are always going to be faster than our rational minds. That's biology. The instinctual part of our brains, sometimes called our lizard brain, is the part of our brain that, that makes us withdraw our hand from a fire before it can burn us. We don't have to think about it with our rational mind. We don't have to think, oh, this is fire, it's hot, it will burn me, I better pull my hand away. If we had to think about it, we would get burned. Instead, it's a sensation, a gut reaction, an instinctual split-second reaction and afterwards, our mind processes it. Our lizard brain tries to protect and defend us. It takes over when we feel threatened and it shuts down our rational brain. Putting new information into our rational brains will not change our gut reactions. But our gut reactions do change when we have new experiences. We have to experience safety before we will trust that we are safe. We have to experience respect and honor before we will trust that we are respected and honored. And we can help each other experience that by conveying respect and honor to each other through emotional warmth attentiveness, genuine interest in each other's experience. It's a way of being in the world that we can foster and develop in ourselves. And it's a true gift to each other and to the world when we can give that to each other. We can do this in a meeting or at a volunteer shift or when we greet each other after worship or by inviting each other to a social event. The hardest time 
to do this is when we're having a disagreement with someone. Can we hold someone in unconditional positive regard when we feel we want to defend ourselves? It's very difficult, and none of us can do it all the time. Sometimes we get triggered. But on the receiving end of that kind of generous attention and underlying respect, our lizard brains get calmed down, and we are better able to be open to each other and to learn from each other. The Apostle Paul says, welcome them. The ones who eat meat and the ones who don't. The ones who celebrate holy days and observe Sabbath days and those who don't. Welcome them all. In response to Paul's urging, I ask, what does welcome look like when we disagree? Welcome looks like deep listening to each other, approaching each other with honor and respect, warmth, attentiveness, and genuine interest. Welcome also looks like deep listening to our own experience, recognizing when the flash of defensiveness rises up instinctively within us. Before we start defending our opinion, we can slow down our response, allow a little silence, take a deep breath, and give our rational brains time to catch up. This is taking responsibility for our reactions and dealing with them proactively and strategically. And finally, welcome looks like deep listening to God's love for us. When Paul says, welcome everyone, he tells us why. Because God has welcomed them. God knows all the backstory. God knows about the traumas that we have each experienced. God knows about the scars and the fears and the hopes and the longings that shape each of our lives and shape each of our responses to each other. God welcomes us each and all, even when we make mistakes and even when we hurt ourselves and each other. God's love for us is based on the very simple fact that we exist, created wholly, imprinted with the image of God, Nothing can take that image away from us, although we may bury it under shrouds of fear and shards of anger, it is still there, and God knows it. We are the Lord's. We belong to God in life and in death. Prayer practices, meditation practices can help us listen to that holy love so deeply that we feel safe and valued enough to open ourselves more thoroughly to those who differ from us. We all want all people to be recognized as children of God made in the image of God. We want to be at ease with each other, experiencing and sharing God's love. We want to be good people and good Christians and good followers of Jesus. Wanting it is the beginning, and that's good. Doing the work for it, that's discipleship. May God give us strength and tenderness, persistence and patience, 
courage and compassion as we walk this path of discipleship together. May it be so. Amen. as together we affirm our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, the day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. 
I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. As we prepare to commission volunteers and officers to service, I invite Elder Jenny Giblin to come to the lectern and join with me in the commissioning service. The call of Christ is to willing and dedicated discipleship. Our discipleship is a manifestation of the new life that we enter through baptism. Discipleship is both a gift and a commitment, an offering and a responsibility. And so for those who are among us in the sanctuary, I invite you to enjoy, to join with our musical volunteers, the choir as they stand, and I invite the brass to stand, and for any of you who are volunteers and officers with us, please stand where you are. I invite us all to look around and see the wonderful presence of those who equip God's work in our midst. The grace bestowed upon you in baptism is sufficient for your calling because it is God's grace. By God's grace, we are saved and enabled to grow in the faith and to commit our lives in ways that serve Christ. God has called you to this particular service. Please show your purpose by answering these questions. Will you be Christ's faithful disciple? obeying God's word and showing God's love? If so, please say, I will, with God's help. Do you welcome the responsibility of this service because you are determined to follow the Lord Jesus, to love neighbors, and to work for the reconciliation of the world? Will you serve the people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love, relying on God's mercy and rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit? If so, please say, I will, with God's help. Do you, members of Fourth Church, confirm the call of God to these volunteers and officers in the service of Jesus Christ? If so, please respond, we do. Will you support and encourage them in their ministries? If so, please respond, we will. Let us pray. Faithful God, in your baptism you claimed us, and by your Holy Spirit you are working in our lives, empowering us to live a life worthy of our calling. We thank you for leading these members of Fourth Church to this time and this place. Establish them in your truth and guide them by your Holy Spirit that in your service they may grow in faith, hope, 
and love and be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Friends, you are commissioned to service as volunteers and as officers in the ministries of Fourth Church and Chicago Lights, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through him. And may we as God's people say, amen. You may be seated. Let us join our hearts and minds in prayer. Almighty and loving creator, we gather here today, united in faith and hope, to lift our voices in prayer for the world, our communities, and ourselves. In this moment of reflection, we offer our heartfelt petitions. For the world, we pray for peace and healing for those who suffer from illness, hardship, or injustice, we ask for your comfort and strength. For our communities, we pray for unity and compassion. For our families and loved ones, we seek your blessings of love and understanding. For ourselves, we ask for guidance on our journey of faith. As we offer these prayers, we also express our gratitude for the blessings in our lives. We are thankful for the gift of life, for the beauty of creation, and for the love and support of our fellow travelers on this path. In your infinite wisdom and love, hear our prayers, O Lord. May they be a testament to our faith and a source of hope for a better world. And may we together pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Faith in action includes our joyful giving. May we equip the kingdom work in our midst through our tithes and offerings. Your offering will now be received.
Let us pray. Loving God, we have so many reasons to say thank you to you. Your generosity, grace, and mercy are astounding, and we pray that the gifts we offer in worship and throughout the week might be used in your name. Help us to be generous with our money and also with our talents and time. Strengthen us to recognize your blessings, to be grateful, and to respond accordingly. Amen. into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return no person evil for evil.
strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love and serve the Lord our God, rejoicing in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And may God bless you and keep you. May God make God's face to shine upon you. May God be gracious to you and give you peace, now and forevermore. Amen. Oh.